0: Hi everyone, this is George and Charlie off the bridle. Our latest episode includes a brilliant special guest, Royal Ascot reflections and Derby Day predictions. Lots to fit in, so let's get started. I'm Tony Rushman, and I'm joined as always by racehorse trainers, George Scott and Charlie Fellows. For regular listeners, welcome back. For any latecomers to the party, thanks for joining us. We are a new market-based racing podcast supported by Fitstairs, our bookmaker friends who offer free streaming for all UK and Irish races. Plenty to get our teeth into, boys, and I'm looking forward to hearing your idea of the potential Epsom Classic winners but it's only fair we start with Charlie and Royal Ascot. Anassis gives Team Fellows a second straight Sandringham winner, and then Chief of Chiefs has his day in the silver Wokingham. Down off
1: cloud nine yet, Charlie? It's such a stupid sport, it really is, because you go there and you, you hope that you're going to have a good week, and then my first three runners I ran all basically got lapped. I think one of them might even still be running. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, you come away thinking, why do I even bother coming to Ascot? What, you know, it's so difficult. You've got to have your horses on, yeah, absolutely A1. And you think, oh God, it's going to be another five years before, I, before we have that winning feeling again. And then out of the blue, two two horses in massive you know, 25 runner field handicaps go and, go and win and won nicely. And it's just yeah, it's crazy, and you, all you can do is sort of laugh and enjoy the moment. It was great. It was amazing. It was it was um, it was a it was a completely surreal week in many many ways. Not just the fact that we had a couple of winners. Ascot with no crowd was just bonkers. It was so weird, so weird.
0: And George, a few annoying seconds, but some good winners too. Since we were last on the Pod Waves, amazing news in particular won nicely at Newmarket. While your Doncaster winner, Eau Claire de Lune, is that how you say it? Looks a lovely, well bred filly.
2: Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Tony, only a spot on there. Um, she is, she's out of the Wonder Miss United and uh, by See the Stars. So she's bred in the purple. We we're pleased with her first effort, and then she, she came forward nicely and, and won, won really well at Doncaster. So, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the season pans out for her.
0: And amazing news, as I say, uh, it's always nice to have a winner on your home turf at Newmarket. You must have been pleased with that as well.
2: Yeah, really pleased with amazing news. You know, he's a talented horse. He's a homebred, uh, which always makes it a bit more special. Um, the Gradleys bred, bred him and, you know, he's a big, powerful horse and put it all together in good, good fashion at Newmarket. Um, you know, he, he, I'm not sure quite where he'll end up, but, um, you know, it was lovely to see him get his head in front um, especially after a frustrating second the day before and another third at Newmarket. It was, as you say, it is lovely as a Newmarket trainer to have winners on the local, local track. Um, but that's uh, frustratingly, the horses, the horses have, uh, have been rattling the crossbar. Uh, I think we've had eight or nine seconds to three winners and a couple of thirds as well. So, you know, I think overall a very, very positive outlook. Uh, There's very few times that we've gone to the track and been disappointed with the horse's performance in the last uh, three weeks. And um, all they can do is run their best and, and, and they are doing that and we'll find the right races for them moving forward.
0: Very good. That's George and Charlie's recent success stories. In section two, we shall be joined by Angus Gold, racing manager for Shadwell Sheikh Hamdan Bin Rashid Al Maktoum's globally renowned racing and breeding operation. So, Angus Gold is our special guest. Angus has worked for Shadwell for over 30 years and has seen Sheikh Hamdan's famous blue and white silks carried by many world-class racehorses such as Nashwan, Tagruda, Dejor, Muhara, and most recently, Batash. The last named was one of six winners for Sheikh Hamdan at the 2020 Royal Ascot Festival, where he was the leading owner. Angus, thank you so much for joining us. For those of us that don't know, can you give us a little bit of career background and how you came
3: to work for Sheikh Hamdan back in the mid to late 1980s? Um, well, that it's very easy, Tony. That was sheer luck of being in the right place at the right time. Um, I was working for the British Bloodstock Agency in Newmarket, um, just trying to sort of work my way up the ladder and get a foothold. Um, and luckily, it was the early day, relatively early days of the Maktoum involvement in this country. Uh, and obviously, I think Sheikh Mohammed was. He, his brother had spoken to him and said his operation was getting larger. And did he know of anybody who might come and help to look after the horses and training? Um, and I was a friend of Anthony Stroud, who was then working for Sheikh Mohammed. I think he might have mentioned him, and then somebody else mentioned me as well to. Uh, Hubie de Berg, who was Sheikh Hamdan's stud manager. So they kindly interviewed me. And uh, then I went up to meet Sheikh Hamdan. And when I walked in there, he said, I hear you're going to help me look after my horses in training. And here we are 34 years later. (laughs) Exactly. I was very lucky.
1: 34 years ago. That is uh, remarkable. And how much, I mean, it's sort of expanded into every country, pretty much. He's so passionate about his racing, but you're now in America, Australia. I know you love your trips to Australia. You've got a lot of nice horses down there. You must look back on it and think, you know, the journey that you guys have come on to where you are now is just remarkable.
3: Yeah, I remember, Charlie, I remember discussing it with my mother at the time, saying, you know, should I take this job or not? And, of course, none of us knew much about it. And she said, oh, well, look, it'll give you good experience for a couple of years. So, uh, you know, you should definitely do it. So, as you say, I don't think anybody could see the size of it and the scale of the whole thing, obviously, or the remarkable longevity of it, if that's the right word. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously not knowing Sheikh Hamdan, I had no idea of his passion and love of the whole thing and him and his family. So it's it's been incredibly lucky. You know, I've been incredibly lucky to work for a man who is as involved as he is. Uh, I think that's for me, has been... What's kept them at the going for so long, is that they love it from the ground up. He plans all the matings along with his bloodstock advisors here. Then he comes and looks at the foals, looks at them as yearlings a couple of times, so he knows these horses when they go into training, as opposed to just turning up and seeing them on the racetrack, you know. And he's involved the whole way through, as I say, and I, I'm sure that's part of the reason that they have such a huge and deep love for it.
2: Angus, just um, following on from, from what you were just saying there, I was speaking to Tony earlier, and, you know, in terms of the the, the wider public and an opportunity to get access to Shake Hand down, you know, his, his passion to stay in the game, and not only stay in the game, but sort of promote and extend his interest.
3: Certainly, in my experience, the whole family that I've dealt with, they're blessed with extraordinary memories, and he's got a sort of uncanny knack of remembering horses. Uh, we were looking at a horse last year, which was, what, 2019. And he suddenly said, turned to me and he, a yearling, this was at the sales, he turned to me and he said, he reminds me of completely of Erhab, who won the derby in whatever year he did, a long time ago, 94 or something. You know, and, and I looked at this horse and I thought, God, he's absolutely right. Uh, but you know, it would never have entered my head. and, and those sort of things, you know, they were brought up with horses, the MacTums as children, and and obviously, you know, they that's where their deep love comes from, along with their camels and their falcons and what have you. Um, so I think the fact that, that they literally grew up surrounded by horses and used them, um, you know, to get around probably in those days, in the early days, uh and and you know it's it's just gone on from there and as you say this and this encyclopedia memory and knowledge um you know and he's fascinating when you go to different parts of the world he he would recognize the fact you need to look for a different type of horse for american racing maybe than european racing and sadly i've never been able to get him to australia but um you know I, i think they they're just fascinated by it and for me having been lucky enough to work for him for so long. It's much more satisfying to be involved with somebody who loves it as much as that.
1: And Ascot, two weeks ago, must have been... I mean, obviously, I'm sure he would love to have been there. I uh, would love nothing more than to have been there with all of his entourage and his friends, and uh, you know celebrate all those winners. But he would—he was obviously watching at home with a whole load of you know, mates and enjoying every minute of it. And yeah, you know, I don't think there's anyone in racing that begrudged him a single one of those winners because of his uh, passion. You know, his passion and his—he's um, been so loyal throughout the time he's been in racing that he's just—he's everything that anyone would like as a trainer. You know, from an owner.
3: I think that's absolutely right, Charlie. They, you know, they are known for their loyalty, and Shake Hamdan particularly. <laughs> I, said, I said hint, hint. So any trader would want for an owner. <laughs> I'll check the book. It looks a bit full at the moment, but I'll see if there are any vacancies for two young, young up-and-coming thrusters.
2: Yeah, we come as a package, Angus. So um, if Charlie gets you so I have to get them too.
3: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but as uh, you say, look, it, it's, you know, I was so thrilled for him. Um, we've had a couple of quiet years and, and to see everything come together on the big stage. Obviously, it's been such a strange year for everybody. So it wasn't probably as rewarding for him emotionally as it could have been if he'd been there. But I think just to be able to sit and watch six winners at, at, the, at the Olympics of racing, was, you know, was a very special week for him.
0: One of those six, of course, was Batash Angus, and uh, to watch that race was to be in awe of something different, something special, the way that horse travelled into his race, that extraordinary speed. Um, how exciting is it for you to to be connected to a horse like that and presumably see him in his home gallops from time to time and just just know that when he races, something spectacular could happen, and
3: did. He's such a funny horse, Tony, because others would disagree. I'm sure Charlie Hills wouldn't agree with me. But in my experience, nine times out of ten, when you see a good horse, they have a look about them. Uh, they have something about them. This horse doesn't. He's a small horse. You, He walks straight past him in the string. You wouldn't notice him. He's just very talented and very fast. Um, so, and I suppose also the sort of, aura that he's built up around him because he can suddenly run an ordinary race or even a horrible race. So you never quite know what to expect, you know, whereas the only other top class sprinter I've been involved with, who in my mind is a bit out on his own, was Deja, and with him you knew what you were going to get. You know, he was blistering and and brilliant. This horse is sort of has been his own worst enemy at times, and you never quite know, so... Uh, it's, it's hugely exciting, but you, you just slightly hold your breath till you know that he's on a going day.
0: And can you, can you give us plans? What, what does the rest of the season look like for Batash?
3: Um, I think probably just what's been quoted. Goodwood, we'll try Goodwood again. It would be fantastic if he could win that for the fourth year in a row. Um, and then if that works well, then York. And then, you know, I'm sure Sheik Hamlin would want him to go to Paris um, again for the Abbey and then everyone keeps saying you know what about America or the Everest in Australia but as we've discussed already he isn't the most straightforward horse uh, and they've done brilliantly with him at Charlie Charlie and his team to get on top of him and they've got him in a really sort of good place mentally now I'm not convinced that he's the sort of horse who wants to be charging around a bend in America but I might be proven wrong Angus, guess he's
2: um, as a trainer, he's a, almost a trainer's dream. I know he's been frustrating at times, but now he's gelded. You know, the, you know, he, he's that sort of cash point racehorse, really, isn't he? You know, there's no reason for him to stop racing until he, he 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 shows he shows that he's not enjoying it as much. And I guess that probably leaves a few more doors open. You know, there's nothing nothing lost if you try the odd um, new 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 trick with him and. Um, no, I suppose um, I suppose at some point you probably will, will, will travel him again, will
3: you? Oh, that's right, George. I mean, the great thing is, as you say, it's not like we're trying to protect a stallion career. You know, we had no option. He tried to kill Paul, poor Paul Hannigan one day in the stalls at Ascot and really left us very little choice. Um, and he was really on top of himself and a thorough pest at that stage. So we, sadly, we had to operate on him. But um, as you say, you know, when they have that, raw talent and they can maintain it i mean it's good fun now to have him racing as a six-year-old obviously you get attached to these horses like you know as we all know with the jumpers when you have them around a long time so um he's sort of you know we're home free it's fun from here on in so if he's still in good form at the end of the season you know he might easily think of taking him abroad You'd love to go take on those Aussie sprinters, wouldn't you?
1: God, that would be so much fun. Can you imagine that straight
3: five at Flemington? Oh, God, take them on. It'd be tempting on a good day, Charlie, wouldn't it? I always remember in my early years, the one thing I was just having in the back of my mind was Colin Hayes, the late, great Colin Hayes, saying to me 30 years ago that, you know, the middle distance Australian horses were never going to be as good as the Europeans. But he said, I defy anybody to run faster up a straight at Flemington than 55 seconds, whatever it was. And when I started going to Australia and you've been there, you know yourself, these big common looking sprinters with heads on them like a goodness knows what and, and a backside the size of this house. And they come out, you know, they're hard to beat uh, on their own territory. So, you know, I would never go there saying we're going to sort of put manners on them. Whereas... I think, you know, like days you going to America, we thought he was the best horse, and it al- almost proved it. But this fellow, you-, you just wouldn't quite know, you know, against the best of the Southern Hemisphere horses. But he'd be fun to try.
0: Angus, can I ask, I, I know it's hard to choose between friends, um, but of the horses that you've been around and enjoyed watching and winning, which are the ones, which were the race days that... Uh you'll always take with you is that that extra bit special that you, you'll never forget, the unforgettable moments, if you like.
3: Funny enough, Tony, um, you know, the obvious things to say are a derby or Nashwan was, I mean, Sheikh Hamdan would say undoubtedly Nashwan winning the derby because that was his first derby winner and, and a homebred and, you know, that's the culmination of anything for an owner-breeder. Um, for me, the one that sticks in my mind is Deja winning at York. Uh, that was a blistering display of class and speed. And I saw Willie quoted the other day, Willie Carson, in his article mentioning that. And that's always stuck with me. Um, uh, you know, we've been lucky, we've had some other great days. Togruda winning the King George was very, very special for me. Um, and Salsabil was exceptional. And occasionally you get, you know, you get one with a uh, not necessarily a top class horse that comes out and surprises everyone that's particularly satisfying but if for just one display of class it would be Dajor or York. Who would you put put in the bracket of
1: of horses that you didn't expect and then went and surprised you on the racetrack?
3: Testing the memory there Charles, Um, there have been a few, I do funny, I can tell you Erhard who was our second derby winner and I think without being able to quote 100%, I think I'm rightly saying he ran six times as a two year old and he wasn't rated particularly high. He got beaten as often as he won. And I remember um, when the forfeits were coming out for the Derby in those days, it was, I think I'm gonna say it was sort of April. And I remember saying to John Dunlop, it was about a thousand pounds to leave the horse in. I said, are you sure you want to leave the ho- this horse in the Derby? And, and he said, yes, I do. And I said, but John, you know, I was supposed to be saving money and trying to where possible. And I said, you really think he's good enough? And eventually he was getting more and more angry with me. And he just said, "Agus, if he was mine, he'd stay in. So I said, okay, fine, let's leave him in. <laughs> so that was, that
0: was a, quite a unlucky a touch. Sheik Hamdan has his horses with many of the top trainers. And you mentioned one there, John Dunlop. What are the qualities that make a great trainer, in your opinion? You've seen a lot of the good ones. Um, what is it that, you know,
3: if you, could, if you could capture it, what's the essence of a good trainer? When I write my book, Tony, um, it'll be fascinating for me to look back, let alone anybody else, for the readership of one. Um, it'll be very interesting. You know, it, it amazes me and it fascinates me, the different characteristics of these trainers as you say from Dick Hearn who could tell you he would ring me the day of a race the the horse's first race and say this horse it's only five furlongs a day he will want five furlongs and 80 yards and he doesn't want grind as fast as this but I want to start him he he knew his horses inside out Um, you know John Dunlop, Barry Hills, Michael Jarvis, Michael Stout and more modern-day sort of Gosden and Haggis, and I, I think probably the one thing you have to say is that you know you can't do it part time. It is it is a twenty-three and a half hour a day job. You see the concentration of the top people that they don't they're not out. Chatting up potential owners where their work is done is at home. Charlie and George would tell you, you know, you can't beat being in the yard, looking at your horses, whether it's evening stables, seeing them come out in the morning. Does this one look a bit light? You know, have we overdone it? And is it getting a bit on edge? Do we need to back off a bit? Just those little details. And I'm not saying other trainers don't have them, but it's just for me to see, you know, the, A, the concentration, but B, the things they notice. And and there's no substitute for being with your horses, I guess. And and the sheer concentration and obviously great staff comes into it. You know, all, all top trainers have to have a good team around them um, because they can only look at so many horses themselves. You need people to come in and tell you, you know, this horse isn't moving right or I don't, you know, you didn't eat up last night or whatever, but, uh, I think, as just to recap, I mean, the, the one thing is their concentration levels. That what they notice about horses. Um, I, I remember Dick Han in his wheelchair. You know, I thought it must be so hard for him to train horses in his wheelchair, and he picked things up. He picked up one day a lad, Sir Single, and shifted back a bit at about a hundred yards. And I remember thinking, how on earth did he notice that? But you know, they, they, you just you get used to it. I guess you get attuned to it, and that's what you need if you're going to be at the top of your game. Um, next time my wife uh, asks me to come and
1: fit, give Jack another bottle while I'm trying to work, can you just back me up and say exactly what you've just said there? I think we're all in the same boat there. <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, I'm talking about the top trainers only, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you. I know you had two winners at Ascot, but give it another two, and then we'll put you in the top trainer category. Well,
2: Angus, I was, I was very keen to get you on because you're about one of the only people that had a better Ascot than Charlie. So it was, um, it's nice that you've been able to overshadow him slightly. I had the pleasure of working for Angus at the sales very, very early on in my career, and uh, well, it wasn't even a career, and it was a sort of uh, finishing. Finishing it at the end of school, and Chiangis, I, I think that's one part um, of your job that probably the, the racing public probably don't don't appreciate. You know, Sheikh Hamdan spent, as you say, the last thirty years breeding these amazing horses. But what's also been so vitally important is is you buying horses and injecting into into um, the operation. I I, I just uh, admire you in a way in the in, at the sales. How do you juggle these trainers, these egos, that everyone gets their opportunity to buy these horses? And, and you know, it, it, it's, it's an extraordinary task for you, that, isn't it? I and, mean, you know, it's, how do you juggle them all and, and how do you decide which horses you buy?
3: It's a very good question, George. Uh, always people say to me, you know, what is your job? And I say mostly, most of all, probably a politician trying to please everybody and keep everybody happy, which, as we know, never works um look you know I'm obviously by trade if you like i was a bloodstock agent so that's probably the part of my job that i enjoy when well, nearly the most is going round. i love going around the studs in sort of september time a month before the sales seeing the horses there which i always think some people don't believe in i think it's a, a massively important part of it to see them at home when they're relaxed and the lads are relaxed and you can talk to staff and see what they like and, you know, just get some idea of these horses. And then to see them a month later in more stressful conditions at the sales um, is is fascinating for me. And, you know, I, I also think the great thing is you never stop learning with horses and, and the day you think you know it is the day you should give up because, you know, you learn lessons all the time. Like I said, Batash I wouldn't claim to anybody now that I picked him out as a top horse he looked just a hardy tough running horse and it turns out that he's he's very very good you know and we we've all seen some horses who are beautifully bred exquisite looking animals that either can't or won't run a yard you know so um, part of the challenge and part of the fun to me is going around sales and by that I mean all sales you know you can't just say I'm only going to go to the two top sales you've got to go and do the groundwork and look at all these things. But then, as you say, when Sheik, part of Sheikh Hamdan's role is buying for the trainers. So, you know, and obviously, funny enough, back to Batash again, he was, I think he was on seven or eight trainers lists. So then it's a question of who got in first. And I write everybody's name in my book. But of course, you know, then they'll say, well, actually I told Richard Hills first, or I told one of your assistants or, so there's a lot of, politicking going on, but um, luckily Sheikh Hamdan makes those big decisions for me. C- can I ask, Angus, if you hadn't
0: worked in, in racing, what other field would have interested you?
2: Knowing Angus a little bit, and as Charlie does, he's a big man for his fashion. <laughs> you're a, you, you love going shopping. You're a big shopaholic, aren't you? I remember that you are going to a mall in Kentucky with you, and you potted around there like an old granny buying
3: little bits and bobs, new jumpers, oh, this is nice, He couldn't get you out of there. I, c- I can't deny it, Tony, he's he's nailed me. Um, yeah, but then the clothes are cheaper out right there, George, so, you know, it made sense in those days. But I think now, post-Covid, and like you two, as a, well, no, you two are young fathers, as I'm an ancient father now, of a young child. I think my shopping days are behind me, sadly. Um, Tony, i I tell you what, if I had my time again, um, I'm completely fascinated by wine. Uh, I wish I knew more about it, and I would love to work in the wine industry in some description, uh, maybe as a sort of consultant to all the big wineries and a, a man like Michel Rolland, I think he's called, who goes around advising them. Um, obviously, any other sports. You know, I would love to have done, but certainly uh, that in my later life, um, I, I would love to have known more about my history. I love my history now, but it I didn't read for thirty years while I was busy working, so I'm only getting back into it now. But uh, I, I'll settle for for a successful wine wine career.
0: And with it being Derby Week, we can't let you go without. Um asking you to run your eye over the derby field. I know Sheik Hamdan hasn't got a runner uh, in the derby this year, but I'm sure you will have had a close look at the uh, declared 16. What what looks like your idea of uh, the type of horses will be playing out the finish?
3: Tony, I can't tell you enough. I no nobody can really, but, but Aiden's horses this year, you know, A, we haven't seen much of them for understandable reasons. Uh, and I, so I don't know, and I haven't watched, there are races to work out which of them is the most likely to improve. Um, I, I hate to pick a favourite, but I would love to see Ed Walker's horse win it. I was so impressed with him for, and Bjorn Nielsen, the way he travelled that day at Lingfield again. We, we won't know the quality of the race for, for a while, but uh, he travelled like a proper horse. Um, I, you'd love to see that, and you guys know as well as I do, the one thing you need at Epsom is a horse who travels if you're off the bridle before you start freewheeling down that hill, you're in trouble. Um, so I would love to see him. I'd love to see William Muir's horse, William Muir's horse run a big race. And obviously Andrew with camaco I thought he was an impressive winner of the Guineas. Just got the impression, and I might be talking rubbish, that I wasn't convinced that his action would be suited to Epsom. It's such a funny track. But uh, that's just off the top of my head. I don't know the horse, and I was very impressed with him in the guineas and he was a very worthy winner so you know again i'd love to see him run a good race i just think it's a there's a chance that it's been such a strange year for everybody and nobody's been able to get enough runs into their horses you know something that's going to come along possibly and improve more than in other years just because we haven't seen them but i'd love to see one of those english horses maybe put it up to aidans and and you know emerge the winner on Saturday.
2: Angus, can I just ask, um, Ed's horse has been drawn in the one hole there with Frankie on. How much of a concern would that be to you if uh, you had the Derby favourite and you were drawn in that box?
3: (laughs) Well, he's got the right man on for that, hasn't he, George? Um, Look, it's not going to help, but if anybody has the experience of extracting him from a tricky position, what you don't want to do is get slammed down on the fence and, you know, you want him to break well, don't you? Or you don't want to get stuck further back than you should down on the fence or you're going to be in trouble um but look that's up to Franco and and the racing gods to give him a good break and hope he can take up a good position i I do remember i always remember going back to her just to make you laugh i remember um he was in a dreadful position miles back can't quite remember what had happened early but he was got in a terrible spot anyway And somehow, I don't think it was the world's greatest ever Derby, but he managed to extract him. Willie managed to get him out. And he flew home and got up close home. And I I always remember rushing down the track to greet Willie, saying, didn't I give that a bleeping great ride? And I walked back upstairs afterwards into Sheikh Hamdan's box and he took one look at me and he said, what a dreadful ride. (laughs) I always remember... I thought the contrast in the two, the victory was wonderful. But I'm sure, look, you know, it might not help Frankie, but as I say, he's got got the brain to know what to do. And as long as the horse helps him and gets out in one piece, hopefully he'll be able to sit where he wants without getting stuck on the fence. Angus, you've been um, more than generous with your time. Before
1: you leave can you give us a couple of horses in your own camp that we should follow for the year?
3: Ooh, um, Charlie, I'll tell you what has been enjoyable uh, by the obvious Ascot uh, heroes. What's been nice is that this year we've had a few horses come out recently, a few potentially nice staying horses, um, And I've either won or run good races. Uh, The Dubawi horse out of Tagruda called Al-Miguar with John Goslin. He won well at Kempton the other day on the all-weather. It's a big, heavy horse. It hasn't been the easiest to keep right, but I think hopefully he might progress from here and he looked like he might be a nice sort of horse going forward. And then Mr. Haggis ran around the back of you there. He's got a couple of horses, uh, a horse called al Azi, a Cedar Stars horse who won well at Newmarket the other day, an ordinary race, but he won it effortlessly. And uh, Richard Hills told me he saw him this morning and and thought he worked particularly well. And then he uh, a nice uh, golden horn horse who won earlier this week called Al-Zaracran. He won at Doncaster a couple of days ago. Um, enormous big horse he's a brother half brother to Ortad or three-quarter brother to Ortad and he looked like he might go on and and turn into a nice sort of horse with a bit of time you know he's only going to improve as the year goes on so I'd say one of them might make something wonderful
0: thank you so much for joining us Um, I think I speak on behalf of George and Charlie and say that was fascinating and fun Uh, really enjoyed having you on and hope you enjoyed it as much as we have uh, uh, you, you being with us,
3: I certainly have. Thank you, guys, very
0: much. Great fun. Let's look ahead to the two upcoming classics, starting with the big one. Um, Fitstairs, by the way, are offering a special around both the Guineas winners, Camico and Love. They are ten to one that the pair follow up their new market wins with Epsom victories. So, chaps, give us your idea of this Saturday's Derby winner, and why?
2: <clears throat> it's a, it's a, it really is a fan- fantastic race to Derby. I think Charlie and I both agree. As trainers, it really is it's the pinnacle of the sport. I know that sounds all, an obvious thing to say, but it's rather overwhelming as a trainer, the thought of having a, a runner in the Derby. And This year, we're, both Charlie and I are so closely connected with um, the favourites trainer, Ed Walker, He was a peer of ours uh, here in in Newmarket, and he's he's flourished since moving, moving to Lambourn. So, ink. We had to start with English King. You know, he's got the pedigree of a of a Derby horse, and he won his trial incredibly, impressively. He's being drawn one. And um, Charlie, what are your thoughts on drawn one? I mean, it's. it, it, in any other race, you're delighted to be drawn on the rail, but it's it's a whole different scenario
1: at uh, Epsom. Well, look, they, I, I'm guessing they're going to be they're going to be pretty patient on him again. That's how they rode him last time. And how many runners are there? Well, sixteen. Yeah, sixteen runners. There's a lot of traffic to overcome. Um, but I suppose if you've got if you want any jockey on board to negotiate that path, then Frankie's the right person what do i think i've got i obviously ran in english king's derby trial and i just i feel like he was flattered that day i feel like it was completely set up for a horse to go and run and look as impressive as he did because the fractions that they went in the first three furlongs were stupid stupid fractions and Tom Marquand sat off the pace rode impatiently and I just think I think he was really it, look, he's a very very good horse do I see him as an 11 to 4 shot in a 16 runner derby with the guineas winner as a four to one shot I'm just not sure I do I just I just there's a niggle in me that just everything went so right that day and I don't think it was the strongest field in the world The 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 trial uh, the form hasn't you know been massively frank since then and i think you've got a guineas winner that was very 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 impressive in quite a strong guineas and and yet and yet he's not he's not favourite and I, I, you know obviously the stamina is a massive issue but i've just i've got a feeling i've got a feeling that I, if i could have anything i'd be on kamiko myself
0: I'm with Charlie. Um, I, I like Kamiko, Group One winner at two, Classic winner, the Guineas at three. Uh, but can I throw an each-way horse at you that I think would be half the price if it were trained by John Gosden? Pile Driver wins a Group Two at Ascot. Uh, King Edward the Seventh is a sixteen-to-one outsider. If that was trained by, let's say, a more fashionable powerhouse Newmarket yard. Would we be able to get that price about the horse?
2: No, not necessarily. Would be, you know. I mean, he he's done very little wrong, and as you say, he was um, he was he, he, he was impressive at Ascot. Um, you know, the reason that these these types of horses are the prices they are is because um, you know William Muir hasn't had many many any a Derby runner, and and that's reflected probably in in his price and and also his pedigree, but you know it has thrown up some some fantastic stories the race i'd like to um i'd I'd like to mention vatican city um he's just the most impeccably bred horse um out of you are so thrilling he ran a really taking trial in the guineas in, in in ireland where he finished second to siskin and if you watch the race back he 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 has a similar passage to Siskin, but not quite as clear. And he follows him all the way through the line and gallops so strongly through the line. And with his pedigree and being lightly raced, I put him up as a lively outsider.
1: So I'm going to add a little bit of of meat to the bones on that theory, Georgie, because I I I, I hear you. Now I spoke yesterday at the sales to a um multiple classic winning now training son of probably the best trainer we've ever seen. And I asked him who he would ride in the race. And he agreed with you and said, if he had the choice, he would ride Vatican city. But he said, he doesn't think he will stay. And he said that even though he's by Galileo, everything out of the dam has been a miler. Um, so I don't know. Um, for me, I agree with you. I thought he ran a lovely prep race, but just I'm not I'm not convinced he'll get the trip. Not the mile and a half. And you would have thought 16 runners, they're probably not going to hang around. Um, I, I I'm expecting them to go a you know a nice decent pace, um, especially if O'Brien is trying to is trying to um, find any chinks in Kamiko's. Uh, Armor, you know, if they don't, if if his weakness is stamina, they will have highlighted him as the best horse in the field, and they'll be like, right, how do we get this horse field? Now that may play into English King's favor big time, um, but you can bet your bottom dollar that um, that Ballydoyle will be doing everything they can uh, to to, um, to to sort of get Kamiko beat.
0: Very good. Some excellent theories and thoughts there on the 2020 derby. Now for the Oaks. It's a bad pun, but will love conquer all, or should we be hoping for frankly, darling, and team Gosden Dettori? Who, who wins the Oaks, guys?
2: Um, it's a re- it's a really interesting question. I'd be interested to hear what Charlie thinks, but... Um... I don't know. I think probably you have to you had to make Love a, wor- a worthy favourite from how impressive she was in the, in the guineas. And I think, frankly, Darling has obviously got bags of ability, but it's probably not as straightforward as Love. And I think that, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, I think that might see the difference in the two horses. And I think if there was a crowd there, I'd be even stronger on love because frankly darling just looks an absolute monster but she looked quite highly strung. chas what do you think is that a fair reflection of those two from what you've seen
1: yeah yeah look i think i think um i'd love i'd love frankly darling to win the oaks for um anthony oppenheimer he has said ever since he won the derby he's he has said that there's now only one more race on his list that he wants to win and that he hasn't won and that is the Oaks. He's, he's in several interviews. All The only race he cares about now is the Oaks. And I think um, William Haggis thought that he might win it for him last year and Franklina was a little bit disappointing. Um, it looks now like he's got a real chance of winning it with a filly who's done absolutely nothing wrong. Uh, my worry is that... The third favourite, Anistimon, I heard a very big word for that when it won its second start at Leopardstown. Um, Apparently couldn't see it again, Bea was going to be a proper filly. And she then ran a big race at Ascot in the Ribblesdale where she was too far back. And I've just got a feeling she might run quite a big race, but Coolmore obviously know fully well that Love... Uh, you know which order they'd have love and her in and, and, and I just the fact that Anistimon got within a length and a half of Frankly Darling just makes me think that maybe love is going to be too good for her. Because I think it's very clear that love is their first string. Um, so I think it would take a brave man to go. I thought she was supremely impressive in the in the Guineas. Um, having no like it wasn't even like it was that easy. She was on the outside Ryan was so confident on her, just said, you know, he would just never, clearly ever thought that he was going to get beaten. And she's bred to stay a mile and a half. I think it's, yeah, I'd love to see frankly darling there, but I've just, I've got a feeling that love's going to be too good. She might be a different class.
0: Uh, it's been a great episode, hasn't it? Um, and finally, uh, all we really now need is a uh, is a winner from both Eve Lodge and Bedford House. So, uh, what should we be looking forward to from your respective stables in the next few days, weeks, etc.? Well,
2: I actually backed one of Charlie's horses the other day, which uh, was a rare one that got beat. So he probably he owes me a winner. I had uh, May I like Mayfair. I like that it. Yeah. It was a bit of a funny race, wasn't it? You know, she was scoped um, dirty
1: after the race.
2: Yeah, there you go. Because I think she's very, very well handicapped, and I know you've um, Joe Soiza has um, has been the apple of his eye, your owner, and I know you've liked it. so. But anyway, moving on, um,
1: Charlie Winner. So I'm going to highlight a couple of horses. Number one, Perfect Inch Haydock on Saturday. Dark Angel of Mr Oppenheimer's. Uh, If, frankly, Darling doesn't win, hopefully this will make you feel slightly better. It's not really. (laughs) So, Kessler Fish, but hey-ho. She is a very, very nice filly. There wouldn't be much between her and my Sandringham winner. Um, She runs in a mile novice for fillies only. She will love the cut in the ground up at Haydock. I will be very, very, very disappointed if she gets beat. It's quite a competitive race, but I think she's pretty decent. I'll also give a little shout out for my Sandringham winner, Anassis, who runs in the Princess Elizabeth at Epsom. Um, it's a very competitive race. We've got a lot to find on ratings, but I think my filly was head and shoulders better than anything in the Sandringham, and I think her handicap mark completely uh, underjudges her. Um, she'll love Epsom. Any rain is a plus, the ground is good, and if we can finish in the first three, that will be a massive job done because some black type would be great. So she'll run at Epsom. I'm really looking forward to running. Her. I think she'll love it. We've got Ryan Moore on board and big horse called Jeremiah. If he gets in to the uh, Old Newton Cup on Sunday, um, he is massive. He is absolutely enormous. He's very well named. He he is uh, hopefully going to get into the Old Newton Cup on Sunday at Haydock. Big field over a mile and a half will really suit him. He had a pipe opener in a cigarro uh, about a month ago uh, where he ran really well and didn't get home. Travelled very, very, very well that day. I think a big field will suit him. Cutting the ground will be no problem. Um, and I'm, looking, I'm really looking forward to seeing him run. He could run a really nice race.
2: Yeah, got a few runners next week. Uh, we've touched on the Cedar the Stars filly or Claire de Lune. She's got multiple
1: entries. Um, she got an opening mark of 77. That is a gift. That is as well handicapped as Mayfair Pompeii is. Un cadeau from the handicapper.
2: Well, we'll see. But yeah, we definitely feel like she's yeah, very, very well handicapped. And, you know, we're going to just bring her up through the ranks steadily. So wherever she runs, she'd hold a pretty good chance. I run a James Garfield sister possibly at Newmarket, although I'm trying to avoid very fast ground. I would think on the first day of the July Festival on a virgin track. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be rattling quick. But she's a showcasing filly called Great Vibes, and she's working in the morning. She's sort of just showing a little bit of a little bit of magic dust compared to the rest of my two year olds, anyway. So we'll see where she ends up. I'm not saying she's going to win first time, but I think she's she's quite smart. And um, other bits and bobs. Sarvan's knocked on the door a couple of times. He, he might run next week if there's some rain about. So looking forward to. it.
1: He's a nice horse, that Sarvan, isn't
2: he? He is. Yeah, he ran in
1: the other division where
2: your your horse ran nicely as well, and then he came back. Just got he's
1: just got beat on
2: the line, but yeah, he could be. He's a fun horse. I think he'll stretch out, which will be even you know, which will give his owners a lot of fun moving forward.
0: Okay, men, very good to see you via Zoom and hear your thoughts. Best of luck with your upcoming runners. We will all be back in a few weeks. Until then, thanks once more to our partners, Fitstairs. Thanks to Carl Homer from Cambridge TV for all-round production prowess. And thank you for listening. Goodbye.